You're listening to the Woman of Value podcast. You are about to hear the story of a woman who is following her dreams and passions and creating positive change in the world. One of my students, he really wanted to become a soccer player. Like that is his big dream. Uh, He was from Brazil and he's great at it. Like his whole life, that's what he was thinking about. But his parents really wanted him to study business and marketing and just, you know, go that route. Then I kind of just blurted out, I was like, man, like you just, you really have to amplify your dreams. You know, you cannot just be put in a box and think about, you know, only what your parents want from you. You have to, you have to be in a way a little selfish, you know, quote unquote, and think of what you truly desire. And then once I said, amplify your dreams, I was like, that's going to be the name of my business. Cause I was sitting and thinking and thinking like literally writing in my journal, so many names and then scratch, scratch, scratch. But when I blurted that out, I was like, that's the name of the business. Welcome back to the Woman of Value podcast. My guest today is Yasmin Inal. She's a professor turned entrepreneur. She started her company, Amplify Your Dreams, back in 2012 when she discovered her passion for coaching. She is a certified high-performance coach, an international speaker, and a podcast host of Brave Visibility. She loves empowering ambitious, big-hearted entrepreneurs, professionals, and high achievers to get out of their own way and amplify their dreams so they can thrive personally and professionally. She lives in Raleigh, North Carolina with her husband and her three kids, and she is a total musical theater nerd. She loves spending time by the ocean or in the mountains, and she loves all things chocolate, just like me. I love it. (laughs) Welcome, Yasmin. Ah, so, so good to be here. I am so, so excited to be on this podcast. Thank you so much for having me. Uh, Thank you. So we always start with what a woman of value means to you. Yeah. um, You know, I really love the name of your podcast. I was thinking about it. And the one thing that popped up in my mind before I even, you know, came here today is I think sometimes throughout our lives, we search for value outside of ourselves, right? Whether it's like success in school, success at work, um, you know, throughout our, our lives from childhood on, I think. And then uh, we may come to a stage in our lives where we realize it was already within us, right? That, that worthiness, that, that power was already inside of us, but we were looking for it outside of us. So, um, that's, that's, that's the first thought that comes to my mind. And in terms of women of value or just even humans on a human level, right? I think we are each, each of us are born with something, right? We are born with that value. The fact that we made it into this world, you know, out of, out of so many other options that could have been here instead of us. um, I think that is already proof that we are meant to be here. And if we can tap into that and remember that on a, on a more frequent level, I think we can really realize, you know, our lives are, you know, our stories are to be written and we are here to make a difference. I love that. Well, I love that you talk about the inherent value in each of us and that many of us don't believe that, you know, that we have these gifts, that we have something special. And I remember when I first started dating coaching and I would ask women, well, what's special and unique about you? And they would not be able to answer, you know, Mm. I I like my hair, 
you know, it was just nothing <laughs> would come because so much of our lives we've been kind of pushed down and suppressed and don't talk about yourself and just fit in, you know, fit into mm. what society wants or what your parents want. So, you know, I love that you're encouraging people to look with them and say, I already have this. I'm already mm. special, right? Yeah. And it's it's funny you mentioned like I like my hair. You know, it's it's really interesting because growing up, I think I always saw my hair as my greatest asset because that was the thing people would always comment on, right? Um, you know, at school, outside, people would be like, Oh, you have gorgeous hair. Like, did you like what do you do with it? Like what products do you use? Right. And and honestly, I was like, I've always been pretty like, you know like maintenance was important, but I wouldn't spend hours doing my hair. I would just take a shower and kind of sun dry it, you know? <laughs> and, um, and then when I, in college, you know, when I embraced my faith and I decided to wear a scarf, everything, sh I noticed how things shifted. And I remember feeling at certain times like people couldn't see my worth. You know, I remember that. And I was, I was young. I was 18, 19 when I decided to wear a scarf. Um, yeah. So I, it's very interesting that you mentioned that because I had to really work on my character, on my heart, on my soul. And, and I remember even people in my life telling me it's going to be a hard ride. Like, you know, you're making life difficult for yourself. And it forced me to become, I think, to work on myself more because I kind of felt I couldn't offer more, you know, I mean, it was just, it was a weird thing going on in my head. So I just wanted to kind of mention that. Yeah, no, it's an interesting thing. And I, I know it's weird that I, I talked about hair since you cover your hair and for people who can't see the video, can you tell us a little bit about the decision to cover your hair and, you know, some about your belief system? It's actually, you know, something that I, you know, I grew up as a Muslim. I, I'm originally from Istanbul, Turkey, but I didn't really know much about my faith. I grew up in a very secular environment and uh, my dad was a doctor, you know, just very scientific, believed in God, but it wasn't like something that was always spoken about. Um, but I did always have like that connection to God. Like to me, that was like my creator, you know, but all my life, I would say I've never been religious really, but spiritual. Um, and I found my faith in the U.S. in Athens, Ohio, of all places. Like it's a small town, college town. And I just had this epiphany one, you know, like I met some people and I saw like just kind of different visions. And I decided that, you know, I, I don't want to, I, I believe in it. I want to uh, kind of, you know, observe modesty, if you will. And I started it that way. Um, however, there have been up and down, ups and downs in my life. You know, my idea has shifted over the years and I don't think of it as something like, oh, it has to be done. Otherwise you're not a great uh, creation of God, right? So I don't believe in its, um, I guess, being mandatory. I think it's a choice. And it's something that reminds me uh, that life is bigger than what I am, right? There is a bigger thing out there. And my purpose of being here on this earth is greater than me. So it's kind of something that gives me that trigger and reminds me that I belong to um, something greater. So- 
That was one. That's, I think that's the reason that I continue, even though there are struggles in the way I, I still continue to hold on to it. And as long as it doesn't cause division, and that's something I always preach about, you know, and I'm so blessed to have in my audience, people of all faiths, all backgrounds. And something I always preach is like, we are to be united, you know, and that's what I always believe in. And um, our paths need to unite. And, you know, I think that's so important. Part of the worthiness piece, like we are all worthy to, uh, to be who we are authentically, joyfully, and come also together uh, to, to really embrace unity on a bigger level, on a greater level. I love that. I, I so agree yeah. with you. And it would be great if more people felt that way because we'd have a much better world, I think, you know, when we yeah. realize how much we have in common much more than our divisiveness is yes. our commonalities. Um, so yeah. I think with the COVID right now, I think we're feeling that because we're oh. all in this together, right? As, a, totally. as on a global level. And I think I've, I'm seeing shifts already. So mm -hmm. hopefully something amazing will come out of this, you know, struggle we're all going through. Yeah, I think the soft, there's a softening and there's a lot of kindness, acts of kindness that we're seeing so and much. from all over the world. Yeah, it is a beautiful thing. All right. So Yasmin, take us mm. to that aha moment because, you know, when you discovered your value, because, you know, you're, you're here, here as a woman of value, somebody who has found her purpose mm -hmm. and is helping others with theirs. But it's not always that way, right? We, we all go through changes. So take us through an aha mm -hmm. moment in your life when you realize that you needed to make a change and claim your value. I love that. And I just want to preface it with like, I, I don't think like we find it and it's always forever with us. Sometimes we might go through dips and re, re, um, and in a way, reclaim our value, right? It happens to so many people at different stages in our lives, I think. You know, when we go through different transitions, like becoming a mother, you know, um, hitting maybe middle age, right? Different times of our lives, we might go through those dips. So for me, I remember very clearly. Um, so growing up, I'm just going to give you a little bit of background. Um, I'm the youngest of three. Uh, three girls in my family. And um, between me and my older sister, there's eight years difference. So uh, growing up, I, I knew that I was the pleasant surprise. Um, and I actually found out at a very early age that my mom tried to have an abortion with me right? This is something I could not talk about before because um, I had not healed those wounds yet. And it was very, like I would have been bawling, you know what I mean? Talking about it. Um, but I have been able to do inner work and um, just really be able to heal those wounds that I didn't even know were there. Um, so growing up with that, um, knowing that it was hard for my mother, you know, she she was dealing with a lot in her personal life and she just did not want to be responsible for another child basically. Right. And, and I also know that when I was born, um, you know, she actually felt really bad about the fact that she tried and, you know, she went to her doctor, there was something going on that was, you know, physically, it wasn't a good option for her. That's why the doctor refused and told her, you know, you have to keep this baby, just be careful after this one, right? Um, so 
knowing that and my mind my mom kind of remind me of those things at moments when she was angry right mm -hmm. i remember hearing those things and i would be like like so why did you have me if you didn't want to have me right um but i also knew the regret that she felt when i was born and she saw me and she told me that she said you were so beautiful and i felt ashamed of myself for wanting to not give birth to you um that there was always that I guess that's like shakiness there, right? Like, okay, yeah, so she loves me, she loves me not, you know, like that kind of thing. But then I had, you know, I believe, you know, sometimes something is taken away from us, but then we're blessed with something else. So amidst that, I was blessed with a dad who loved me unconditionally uh, with just so much love. And, um, and I was blessed with that. You know, I was blessed to have him with me throughout my life uh, till I was 18. I lost my father when I was 18. So growing up as a child, I was able to go there, you know, next to him and sit down and, you know, talk to him about anything and everything without being judged. And so I had that growing up. And I remember, um, you know, I think one of the pivotal moments was when I was sitting next to my dad. So my dad was originally Greek, uh, originally from the island of Crete. And um, he would sing me songs that his mom would sing to him. He would tell me stories on the island of Crete. And I remember sitting like on his lap as a kid, which I always did on the armchair and just listening to stories and listening to his life and lessons. And I remember like looking into my dad's eyes and seeing so much love. And I remember like, you know what? I am, I'm valued. I'm so valued. I'm seen, I'm heard, I'm loved. And to me, that was, that was really powerful. I remember that as a kid. Um, so that was one pivotal moment, I would say. Um, and also when I was in high school, middle school and high school, I was a mu musical theater nerd. I joined the drama club. That was something that was kind of just landed on my lap. They were announcing, we're looking for actors. I had never tried that. And I was in sixth grade when I first you know, auditioned and joined and I loved it. I found so much peace on stage. I was like, oh my gosh, like this is home. This is home because there's an audience who validates your presence. They're happy that you're here. They love what you're presenting. You know, they, they're crying if, they're, if it's something dramatic. They're laughing if it's something amazing. And I fell in love with that, you know? And I, I, I did that for six years throughout middle school and high school. And to me, that was, I remember very specifically, I was Eliza Doolittle in My Fair Lady. And I remember the director of, of our school play who became a greatest mentor to me, who kind of became like a second father, um, in a way replaced, you know, the love that I was seeking from my mom, kind of like as a mentor, as a teacher, I really looked up to him. And um, I remember seeing him in the orchestra pit and I remember him like crying from joy. And, and I remember looking up in the audience and just seeing the audience members and I said, you know what? I'm meant to be here. Two really powerful stories. <laughs> and you. what I hear, there's a thread uh, that runs through both of them, which is the importance of being valued, being seen, being heard, mm. feeling loved. And yeah, I mean, it just feels like it's all connected. It really is. And not from that, 
you know, sometimes, you know, people, people will misunderstand. They're like, oh, you just want to be the center of the show. I mean, I am an extrovert, right? So I am very social and I love people and I love talking, but at the same time, it was never about being the center. It's just being, you know, validated for being here and Mm -hmm. um, yeah, valued as a human on that human level. And I think everyone deserves that. That's why I'm so passionate and um, so into like diversity. And I don't mean it just like a political agenda thing, like, oh, we should be diverse and everybody should be celebrated. No, I really mean it on a human every single day level. Like when you see an old person and they're struggling, maybe, I don't know, carrying their bags, like being able to go there and help them, seeing them, you know, not just like passing by them and like they don't exist because now they're older and they're not running outside and they're not maybe super important in your eyes, but you know what? They're somebody's grandmother. They're someone's mother. So being able to see the value of each person in a society, I think is the key. Totally. Yeah. It comes across. I mean, it's, and not for a minute did I think that you were on stage just to get attention. It, it's, Thank you. It's really, it's about your voice, about your unique voice and your relevance and everyone's relevance. And, yeah. you know, I, I, I'm an introvert. And mm-hmm. when I started getting on stage after becoming a coach, it was never in my purview to be on a stage because <laughs> it felt so out of character with who I was. But when it became about the message, when it became about not hiding, yeah. then I could do it, you know, and, and actually I was motivated to do it because the opposite would be, I would be small and yeah. I would not be fully amplified as you would say. <laughs> yeah. um, so I think that people really don't understand all the time, you know, the, the reason there are people on stage who just want attention and those mm-hmm. people often feel empty because when the attention's gone, they don't have relevance for themselves. Yeah. Right? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. For sure. Yeah. Yeah. So it's it's definitely coming from a very deep, loving place I can see in you. <laughs> Thank you. And um, so speaking of which, let's talk about your leadership style because I know that, um, you know, you lead with not it's again it's not about overpowering people it's not about control but tell us a little bit about your style and um, how it evolved over time I love that question I don't think I've thought about it super deeply like in in that way but I love it and from what I have been told by my audiences by people who know me well um, is that I have a unique uh, I guess kind of like a a good balance of the feminine and the masculine energy. Like I am an overachiever and um, I have had to learn to, you know, not become the perfectionist because I used to be and I, I had to learn to tone that down in a way and actually focus on what matters, focus on the priorities and not trying to do it all. Uh, in my life. But um, so I have that, I think that masculine energy, but also that, you know, feminine energy of flow, because I really want to enjoy life and I want people to enjoy life. And when I say high performance coach, like people are like, hmm, that sounds really like super driven. I always have to explain what it means in my world. To me, high performance is like about 
you know, performing at levels that you want to, right? And it's you determine what that means for you, but doing things with love and joy and authenticity. And I know these are like big buzzwords, but I really mean them at the linguistic level. And um, just being able to, like, let's say you're, you know, working with a client, really focusing, being present there, really being that service-driven person, or you're spending time with your family, really feeling that joy. So I think it's a lot of mindfulness piece added to, to the high performance. So I think that's, that's kind of the way I like to lead and just leading with love, um, leading, role modeling the way to me, that's really important. If I feel like I'm out of alignment. I have to take a step back and, you know, check in with myself. Okay, am I eating well? Am I drinking enough water? Like I'm literally always around the house <laughs> with my hydro flask, one liter. Um, you know, am I, yes, cheers. <laughs> um, you know, making sure that I'm getting my exercise. Like right now with what's going on in the world and the gyms being closed, probably that's my greatest struggle because it's not the same. You know, I don't have all the machinery, the equipment that, you know, my gym has. And at the same time, I'm like, I still have to get my exercise. So what am I doing? Right. Having those morning routine, the evening routine. So role modeling the way to me, walking the talk is way more important than having, you know, like kind of showing myself up there as if I am walking the talk, but I'm not, you know, I have to feel that I am really role modeling the way. Yeah. As a human, yes. <laughs> again, humanity is important here, but yes. that balance is, it's not only important for your clients, but for your family, like to be able to have a mom who's present, mm -hmm. who can make time and prioritize her children and her husband and your work. I mean, your, yeah. your job is, is consuming. And without that balance, you're not role modeling well for them either. No. Right. And you feel that you feel that guilt, you know, when you don't, I know that the, the times that I don't, it's like, oh, it's like piercing my heart. And then I have to somehow get creative and it's like, okay, what can I shift to in my calendar. What am I saying yes to that's not important? That's not aligned with my core values. Like I've been, I've really had to learn that. The first few years of entrepreneurship, I was saying yes to every opportunity. I wanted to be on all the podcasts and on all the summits and all everything that was coming my way. Now I'm really able to comfortably say no to things that are not the priority or that's not in alignment with how I want to lead. Boundaries, baby. <laughs> so, <laughs> yeah. I mean, high performance is yeah. Road. yeah, no, I totally get it. And when you are really in high performance, you are not saying yes to everything because that's burnout. Mm -hmm. You're not the burnout coach, right? <laughs> You're the let's try and balance our lives. And you do have to take those steps back and see like, yeah. well, am I saying yes to things that are draining me that are mm -hmm. not in alignment? And yeah, I love how you just keep trying to stay centered and do yeah. what works, right? Yeah. And it's, it, I do, you know, it doesn't mean I'm perfect and I do it perfectly at every time. It's impossible. And when I do, you know, falter and say yes to something, it's like, oh man. <laughs> um, 
but you know, it has to be again, bring the joy to everything that we do. And um, if you have agreed to do something for a friend or for someone, understanding also the intention behind that you know, okay, I really want to help this person. Maybe it is a little bit too much on my plate. Maybe I didn't have to bake or, you know, do whatever that was supposed to. But then if you bring the right intention to it, I think then there is, again, abundance in your life. I think sometimes we might be in a situation where it's stressful. We've said yes to, but maybe that was to bring, you know, another level of joy or gratitude or a different perspective into our lives, I think. Yeah, intention is so crucial. You know, so many people do things with the wrong intention, like they give to get, or they give out of obligation, and Mm -hmm. then they're resentful, and they don't know why they're exhausted. And so it's like, when you take that step back, and again, you're mindful about what is my intention, and I'm doing it with joy. I'm doing it, and the person feels it, you know, they can feel the difference. Um, 100%. Yeah. So let's talk about what you're creating in the world now. I know that you pivoted from being a professor to coaching. And, and before we started talking, you said you're creating some new things. So yeah, tell us, tell us what's going on in your life. Yeah. Um, so up until, so I, I taught for 14 years. Uh, 2012 is when I had like that epiphany. Actually, end of 2011 is when I got my first life coaching certification. Um, I didn't even know of that term, to be honest with you. I I come from a world of academia. When one of my supervisors told me, you would make a great life coach, I really paused. And I was like, what is that? Like, what the heck is that? (laughs) Never heard of that. Um, And then I did some research and I'm like, okay, I know like Tony Robbins and I'm like, I'm familiar with, you know, Brian Tracy and all of those people, even though they may not necessarily call themselves that. To me, there were motivational speakers and authors and uh, people doing some, you know, stuff out there. Right. And um, so end of 2011, then 2000 and 12 is when I was like, okay, officially started Amplify Your Dreams, registered it as an incorporation. And 2014, um, end of 2013 actually, is when I completely left academia. So it was a big transition. It was big. And um, since then, I've been running my coaching business, doing mostly private, uh, you know, one-on-one group sessions, uh, group coaching, and kind of like a mastermind style. And I've done some live events, so the live event, it was going to happen again this year. So I've done two so far. It's like a yearly thing. And unfortunately, with everything that's going on right now, it's just uncertain. So that has been canceled. So just working on something that is going to be on, a, on an online um, summit uh, forum, that is one thing I'm working on that I've never done before. Um, to replace that live event in a way and be able to bring some amazing speakers and um, be able to just, you know, um, add value. So that's, that's pretty much what I can tell you. And I'll okay. definitely share with you more details once, you know, it's going to be towards the end of uh, this year. So really excited cool. working on yeah. that. But in the meantime, you know, still keeping up with my clients. I've had, you know, been blessed with an amazing clientele. Um, that have been lots of repeat clients. And uh, so been running that right now. It's, you know, with the world changing and with all the kids at home, (laughs) it's been an adjustment. And I am so grateful and thankful again to 
all the inner work that I have learned that I need to tap into on a daily basis. Like meditation is a requirement for me these days. It's like, I cannot skip it. It is for my sanity. <laughs> um, you know, there are certain things, right, that have to be part of my protocol. So that way I can actually function as a sane, <laughs> uh, amazing human, you know, to the best of my ability. Yeah, I mean, all those things, the water, the, the exercise, the eating mm -hmm. healthy, self-care. I'm finding during the pandemic that people who have neglected self-care are now so focused on that being so crucial at this time, because wow. if we don't take care of ourselves and, you know, all the time, we can't function, yeah. we can't give, we can't be our best in the world, first to ourselves and then to others. And so, yeah, uh, exactly. but that's exciting. It's exciting to, mm -hmm. uh, to see you pivoting to something new. And um, yeah, so can you take us through like a client experience? Like if, do you have a, like a favorite client story so people get a better idea as to how you help people? Sure, sure. I mean, I have, I have many favorite clients. Uh, it's so hard to pick, but you know, there, there is some who become like, like that long lost sister that you never had, or, you know, just, just someone you really feel very close to. Um, so I definitely have such, you know, success stories where someone, you know, comes, right. So I'll give, I'll give an example without, you know, identifying who that person is, but, you know, I've had, um, this kind of clientele, um, over the last, you know, several years where they're high achievers, um, you know, they've done everything right, you know, in terms of like studied and, you know, pursued their careers and gave it their best and productive and, you know, doing it all kind of thing. And then they realize they've neglected themselves, right? They've been giving so much and pouring so much out into the world, but they've neglected, like you were saying, the self-care piece was missing. Um, just the boundaries were non-existent, right? Where they were always in that giving mode and they could not pause and say, what are my needs right now? What is it that I want to work on? What are the big dreams that I had for myself when I was a kid, right? And I always want to tap into those because when we're kids, you know, I have a six-year-old and I love like having deep conversations with her. And seriously, I can have some deep conversations with her because the imagination, the just, you know, you can see literally light coming out of their eyes, right? That brilliance. And somehow, somewhere down the line that gets lost. And I always love to be able to tap into that with each and every single client, you know, like what are those dreams that we need to unearth? that unfortunately have been kind of, you know, put, you know, under all of this stuff because of so many things you had to do. And um, just unearthing those big, big ideas, big visions of who they want to become. Um, you know, within the coaching that I do, it's all about who you're becoming to achieve the things that you want to achieve. You know, you want to become the author. You want to, you know, you want to write the book. You want to because, you know, right, be on stages, right? But what is it going to get you there, right? What is it going, what does it require of you as a human to become that best-selling author, to become that, you know, speaker that everybody wants on their stages? So I think 
getting back to the core values. Um, those are things we definitely tap into. Um, just so much to uncover, you know, in every single human. And unfortunately, these are not things we talk about at a dinner table, right? Most people don't want to go there because these are deep topics and most people don't want to go into that. It's too much to think about. Uh, Yasmin, why did you call your business Amplify Your Dreams? Yeah, so it actually happened while I was teaching. One day, it just came out. And um, I was teaching at NC State University uh, to a group of students. So these are international students who come to the U.S. and they're admitted already into a program of their choice, whether it's engineering or business. Um, but they have to first finish the required academic English classes, right? So that they're up to par with their um, you know, native speaker um, friends, right? With their native speaker peers, if you will. And um, so I was always teaching the listening and the speaking classes. And uh, one of the things that uh, one of my students, he really wanted to become a soccer player. Like that is his big dream. Uh, he was from Brazil and he's great at it. Like his whole life, that's what he was thinking about. But his parents really wanted him to study business and marketing and just, you know, go that route. And um, so we were just having this discussion and he gave his speech and all of that. And then I kind of just blurted out, I was like, man, like you just, you really have to amplify your dreams. You know, you cannot just be put in a box and think about, you know, only what your parents want from you. You have to, you have to be in a way a little selfish, you know, quote unquote, and think of what you truly desire. And then once I said amplify your dreams, I was like, that's going to be the name of my business because I was sitting and thinking and thinking, like literally writing in my journal so many names and then scratch, scratch, scratch. But when I blurted that out, I was like, that's the name of the business. Because I think that's what I always preached about. So I was like, yeah. that's, that has to be it. That's a great name. That's a Thank great you. story to go with it. Thank I, you. I think, you know, when you're in tune with your intuition, you know, you just know. You know, yeah. you know, because it's, it is hard. I've come up with so many business names and when you get it, it's like, oh my God, that's it. That's it. Uh, and I was, it was crazy to find it available, you know, like yeah. the domain <laughs> name and, you know, finally it's trademarked after so many Ooh. years and um, yeah, like I, I'm so glad that it was available and it was there for me, you know, yeah. that I could register it and everything was fine. It was meant to be. Yes. Thank you. So we're going to go into the lightning round now. Are you ready? Ooh, ready. <laughs> Bring it on. <laughs> All right. We have a bunch of quick questions and then we're going to wrap. Okay. I awesome. used to think I wasn't blank enough. I wasn't smart enough when I was in elementary school and I wasn't into math or science, but I was into other things. And that was the thing that was valued. And all the, especially the males in the class would kind of make fun of the girls at that time um, for not getting the problems right. Yeah. Hmm. Boy, school really messes us up. <laughs> I, but I was, I was able to get over that, thankfully. Once good. I found theater, I was like, you know what? I'm not great at math, but... I can use a calculator and I don't need it. I can do basic stuff in my head. For the rest, I just use my calculator, you know? It's like, I don't have to be dividing all this stuff. No, you don't need algebra and calculus when yeah. you are not majoring in that. And I think 
this is something that really can destroy so many children where they are so valued by the grades that they get and they have to be great at everything. So that, yeah. that's, that gets my goat. It does. Yeah. <laughs> I'm glad that, I'm glad you found your value and didn't care that you didn't have to be great at math. Yeah. What was, uh, next question. What was the number one thing holding you back from becoming a woman of value? I think at times was myself, you know, cause I, and I'm the kind of person I, I think I've, I've done a lot of things in my life where I challenge the boundaries, but there were times, uh, I don't know, like, is that, could I, is that appropriate? <laughs> you know? Um, and yeah, I had to challenge certain boundaries. And, and, and I say that like, you know, culturally, religiously on every level where I would be like, yeah, it is perfectly fine. I was created to do this. Mm-hmm. So I really had to like remind myself that it's okay for me to be doing whatever, whatever I desire to do. So I remember like one of the first moments where, cause I love exercising. I, I've always been active since I was 14. I loved, you know, doing stuff. So I remember taking ice skating classes in, at Ohio university. So we actually had ice skating class, which is pretty fun. They had a rink on campus and I remember going to class as a sophomore and I remember the whole class just staring at me, like just staring at me, right? I'm in my like, you know, gym clothes and I have my scarf. And that was like a weird thing at that time. We're talking about 1990s. Everybody thought I was a nun, you know, and I really don't dress like a nun, but they thought I was a nun and I would always have to answer questions, but they just thought it was so weird that I was ice skating. And I was like, get over it, people, you know, just get over it, you know, like literally a few people, they're like, oh, that's really interesting, you know, um, yeah. yeah, it's just having the courage to be yourself, and even though people are going to possibly laugh at people who are not exactly like them, you know, I think it yeah. takes tremendous courage to follow your bliss in mm-hmm. spite of it not being popular, yeah. Or of course, common. now the times have changed, right? <laughs> now representation matters. Everybody's doing every, And I love seeing that. I think it is yes. important. It's important yeah. for kids to be able to see that as well. Mm-hmm. Uh, to say, you know, no matter what color you are, what you're, you know, whatever it is, right? You can do whatever you put your mind into. And yeah. that's why we love people like Oprah. We love, pe- we love seeing that because it, it tells you so much about like possibility. It's really a representation of possibility. Yeah. Yeah. No, I, I totally agree. Did just, just the show Unorthodox just popped in my head. Did you see that on Netflix? No, I'm gonna write that down. I would love to oh see it. Oh my god. It, Where is so, it? Netflix? I think it's on Netflix. Um okay. it's a series based on a book, a memoir, a true story about a woman who left the extremely religious uh, Jewish Hasidic world of the Satmar Hasidim mm-hmm. in uh, Williamsburg, Brooklyn, mm-hmm. and went to find herself. She went to mm-hmm. find her voice. And um, it just, it, this, this, you know, your story reminds me of her mm-hmm. in many ways because she went against the grain. She did her mm-hmm. own thing. She did things that nobody had done before her that. that she knew and it's it's such a beautiful story on so many levels. I have to check so, it out. Yeah. Yeah. I love All that. Right. Thank you. Yeah. Next question. What is the <laughs> best advice you can give to a woman who wants to become more empowered? 
I love that question. So I would, for me personally in my life, this is something that has helped me. And I would love people to see, maybe ask themselves something that would resonate with them, right? Because this is something that has helped me. Um, that, you know, for me, like two questions, like in a way, like when I was finding, trying to find my worth is like, my value is how I talk to myself, like what I think of me, right? Matters more than what people think of me, right? So always remembering, what do I think of myself, right? So my connection with myself, basically, um, two connections that matter to me the most, connection with myself and connection to my creator. So this is for me, has allowed me to do things on a level and not worry about what people think, because as long as I can have those two connections, really nothing else matters. Um, so I, I'm sure some people can relate to that. Um, and otherwise, you know, another thing that comes up is like for people to just, you know, just really looking for that value inside of them, because once you have that peace inside, it is going to be reflected in the outer world, right? Your inner world is reflected in your outer world. So I think, um, through different exercises, through different things, even writing out things that you appreciate about yourself when you might feel down, right? When you might feel like, oh, like I can't, like, like where you might feel like your value is not there for you, like you're looking for some validation, writing down things that you love about yourself, right? Mm -hmm. So that's an that. exercise that helps. Yeah, that's a great exercise. I, I just recently posted in my Facebook group, Your Last First Date, which is my dating coaching site. <clears throat> yeah, I love that I name. Posted, thank you. Um, I posted a question about um, looking within at places where we have triumphs, like where you've gone through struggles before, because I know so many people are struggling with COVID-19 and, and quarantine and all the fears and everything. And it's like, if you can look at places where you have gone through a crisis and who did you become? Mm. Uh, I think that's an important thing to look at. So, I mean, the stories that people were sharing of surviving cancer and surviving the loss of a spouse and I became yeah. a stronger person and, you know, COVID-19 is hard, but cancer is harder, you know, it's yeah. like, perspective, having perspective, but also seeing like I've conquered things, I've come through and I've become stronger. And I think we mm. need those reminders, right? Oh, yeah. I call it the I survived list. I actually like wow. to have, you know, clients do that. Uh, if they're going through like a major struggle, major challenge, just write down everything you have survived so far in your life, like go as far as you can, as far back as you can remember. And people usually like, it's a very emotional experience to have to write those things down. Um, so you have to be willing to sit down and cry <laughs> while you're writing. But it's a very powerful exercise. Yeah survive knowing that. that you've survived stuff and you're going to be yeah. okay i'm going to yeah. steal that if i can <laughs> yeah of course i don't think i came up with that because i heard of it i probably read it somewhere in a book or in a blog uh, that was you know i've been within the personal growth journey since 19 officially uh when i first read uh stephen covey's book 
um, the seven habits of highly effective people. And I was hooked after that. I was like, Oh, this is, I like this kind of books. Like, what are these called? Oh, self-help. Yeah. <laughs> I like to, I like to grow. Um, so I probably yeah. spread it somewhere. Yeah. Stephen Covey. Amazing. My, my daughter and her husband are pretty much raising their kids with the Stephen Covey model. And I love that. Um, yeah. They're, they're Montessori, Stephen Covey, like they're really into learning and growing. And that mm -hmm. I'm so makes me really happy I love to that. see that. Yeah. That's why we moved down to Raleigh, actually, from New York City. We used to live in New York City. Uh, my husband and I, we met in New York City, and um, we lived there for 12 years, then moved down to Raleigh because we discovered um, an elementary school here that was teaching all the seven habits of Stephen Covey, uh, the Covey method, and he had actually been to the school and taught the teachers and all of that. So we were like, let's do it. So both of our sons graduated from there, our older two kids. Wow, that's so awesome. That was a blessing, yeah. Yeah, well, it's also choices that you make. You know, you know your it values is. and you make choices according to values, not according to the externals, right? Yeah, yeah, for yeah, sure. That's an important thing for people to hear. Yes. <laughs> All right, two more questions. What okay, advice? Ready. What, okay, what advice would you give to your younger self? That everything is going to be okay. You know, I remember uh, losing my dad at 18. Um, the grief was very interesting. Honestly, I was actually very strong, but I'm not sure if it was like strength that I had to own because I knew he was gone. And also I had to, it was summertime. I was in Istanbul I um I had gone back after my freshman year. So I was coming back to the US after six days of his passing. So I, in a way, I don't know how I internalized it, but I remember the grief period being, I, I'm going to miss him so much, but I know he's in a better place. He was very sick. So I was, you know, in a way relieved that he was not suffering anymore. Um, but also kind of thinking like, oh my gosh, he's not going to see me graduate. He's not going to walk me down the aisle. You know, just all the things of like the person I was closest to growing up was hard. So I think just, yeah, everything is going to be okay. Everything will be fine. You know, like losing him is going to be replaced with the strength and love from other people and just, you know, yeah, yeah. that younger self. And that yeah, looks don't matter so much. You know, when I was younger, I was very skinny, super, super skinny. Um, I just didn't have appetite, I guess. I just, I remember my dad always trying to feed me and um, yeah, and, and people would make fun of me. Like people, you know, would say things and then I would respond back because I always had like a answer, you know, people would be like, wow, you, you, you're, you look like Pinocchio. You have a nice, you know, you have a big nose. And I'd be like, yeah. my nose, my nose gives me character, you know, <laughs> like I, I would like, I'd be like, uh, you know, like kind of snap back, but deep down it would hurt, mm -hmm. you know? Um, and growing up, yeah, like just understanding overall, you know what, it's not about how you look necessarily, it's really what you can bring out of you that makes you shine. And you look like the most beautiful person because you are a great person. And that reflects, you know, it's like the reflection of your soul. So yeah, 
Yeah. I understood that eventually. I think when I was like, when I came to the U.S. 17, 18. It's hard growing up. It's, it's, uh, it is. I was, I was super skinny too. And I was made fun of a lot by relatives. You know, like eat something. And every time I come in, it's just, here's, here's some cake, here's some cookies, here's some and here's like a screen thing, you know? And it's like, yeah. and then when you gain weight, you're too fat and you're, you know, my mother will send me pictures. Your hair looks so much nicer in this photo than it <laughs> Thank you. Yeah. Um, so just <laughs> I'll take it as a compliment. <laughs> <laughs> just to blow it all out. <laughs> yeah. All right. And finally, Yasmin, how would you like to be remembered? I love that question. I want to be remembered as someone who really uplifted humans around her and uplifted humanity in general. You know, to me, that is so important. And the, the level of it doesn't really matter for me, but I just want to be able to uplift and unite and be able to bring people together, you know, and I want to be able to do those things through everything that I do. To me, that is so important. Of course, I want to be able to grow my platform so it can be on a grander scale, but I'm not attached to the outcome. I just want to know that I have done my best throughout my journey. To me, that's what matters more than necessarily the statistics. Beautiful. Well, you are doing so much good in the world. And Thank I really you, have enjoyed knowing you and, and having you on the podcast. This has just been a great conversation. It's very uplifting. And I know that you will definitely affect and uplift and amplify other people who are going to be listening to this podcast. So thank you so thank much. Thank you. Thank you, Sandy. Thanks. Thank you for the work that you're doing. I want to honor that. And thank you for your friendship. And, um, you know, it's been a pleasure being here with you and chatting with you. Thank you so much. If you would like to step more fully into your value, grab a free copy of the ultimate guide to becoming a woman of value on my website, thewomanofvalue.com. Just click the link at the top of the homepage. And if you haven't already done so, be sure to click the subscribe button in your listening app. And if there's something in this episode that inspired you, please share it with others. Because the more we share these inspirational stories, the more women of value we will have in this world. I'll see you next time.